Turn to the book of 1 Timothy tonight. We'll be in 1 Timothy chapter number 4. Once again, 1 Timothy chapter number 4. And let me encourage you one more time to uh, let's be faithful throughout the weekend, inviting others uh, to be in the service. And uh, also uh, want to kind of say I appreciate uh, the spirit of the church, of course, but also want to remind you, especially on Sunday mornings, uh, with everything being so full, um, to always give the preference to visitors, um, or I know you've staked out your claim on your seat, but uh, uh, one of the first things we're going to do, and as soon as I have a closing date, we probably won't even wait on the closing, we'll start tearing the uh, back rooms out, the nurseries out, so that we can uh, get the extra seats in, uh, but I do want to just encourage you to appreciate your faithfulness and our soul winning, that certainly uh, we see the re- results of that on Sunday, uh, but I also just want to remind you uh, that uh, just be patient with people and friendly, and uh, you you're not an easy bunch to warm up to. You know that, right? Uh, I mean, you're pretty intimidating. I'll use the word intimidating. I was going to use another one, but uh, uh, let's continue to look forward to wonderful Sundays each and every Sunday. We've been in a series for some t- time now on Wednesday evenings. Uh, we've entitled it, A Charge to Keep. And if, we, if we turn back to 1 Timothy chapter number 1, we'll find that uh, Paul commits the faith to Timothy. Uh, he charges the faith to Timothy. I remind you that the Apostle Paul uh, received the faith from the Lord Jesus Christ. We have this mindset in our country today, and it's even affecting uh, those who call themselves Bible-believing Christians, that there's, that there's, there's more than one faith. Only one faith comes from God. Uh, if it's not the faith once delivered to the saints, it's not the faith of God. doesn't matter how sincere uh, people are. doesn't matter how hurt some people were in the past, there is one faith, and it is the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Paul had that faith entrusted to him from the Lord Jesus. He, in turn, with others, entrusted it to Timothy. He says, Timothy, I'm trusting, charging you with this. Now, let me ask us the question. I've asked this before on Wednesday night. This is good for us to review uh, because we were out of this uh, series last Wednesday night due to the tropical storm. Uh, I just brought something different uh, by way of live stream, but as a good review, uh, how important, how much do you think, how seriously do you think Paul took getting the faith from the Lord Jesus Christ? I think he took it seriously. He laid down his life because he took it that seriously. He, he made sacrifices uh, because he took it seriously. Now, how, much, how urgent do you think it was in his message to Timothy? He, Timothy, take this seriously. Uh, this speaks to me as I begin to lay out this series of how seriously uh, I ask myself the question, do I take it that seriously? Do I take it as seriously as if, the, if I encountered the Lord himself on the Damascus Road and he charged me, gave me the gospel? Well, let me, let me answer that question for all of us. We should all take it that seriously. Sometimes Bible-believing, Bible-preaching uh, preachers and pastors, when they draw a line on doctrine, on the faith, and they stand there, uh, they get labeled uh, as mean-spirited. They get labeled as hateful. They get labeled as um, dictators. They get labeled a lot of things. Um, but it might just be that you know we take seriously the faith that is given to us. 
Uh, a lot of our young people aren't here tonight because they're, they're at camp this week, but uh, the, those that are here, I remind you, your, your, your parents are more than just stubborn. They may be stubborn, um, but if they're not going to pull you out of a Bible-believing church just because you want it a little bit easier, uh, they're taking the faith seriously. It is something we ought to take seriously. So tonight we're going to look uh, at uh, three verses in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Uh, two weeks ago, I remind you, we talked about the verse number 1 in chapter 4, uh, how the Spirit speaks expressly. There's the Holy Spirit, then there's seducing spirits. Uh, if it is of the Holy Spirit, uh, it is of God. If it's not of the Holy Spirit, it's seducing spirit. Uh, what, what kind of music do you all have at the Emmanuel Baptist Church? Uh, the kind that is born of the Spirit of God, not a seducing spirit. If it's not music that pleases God, it is music of a seducing spirit. If it is not from the, the Word of God, the Spirit of God, it is from a seducing spirit. Well, I just got my worship on. Well, you well, be careful what you're worshiping because uh, there's a spirit, there's the spirit, and then there is a seducing spirit. Having looked at that, now we continue in chapter number 4. And I want to draw your attention to verse number 7. We've touched on this verse before in another study. We're going to read down through verse number 9. Verse number 7 of 1 Timothy chapter number 4. The Bible says, But refuse profane and old wives' fables. Um, that's not talking about, you know, this is the one that I, I'm still bitter about from my childhood. Well, you ate. You better wait an hour before you swim or you're going to drown. I mean, I'm only, I'm only at my friend's house with a pool once a summer, and I got to sit down. You know, if, you, if you're not onto that, you don't have to sit out an hour. You will not drown. Bible's not talking about those kinds of old wives' tales. Uh, that's not what this is talking about. Uh, but refuse profane and old wives' fables. This is what we believe. This is what we've always believed. This is what I've heard. And if you study the scripture, I don't have time for this because a lot I want to get to. If you put it in context of 2 Timothy chapter number 3 and other passages of Paul writes to Timothy, how he refers to false doctrine. He never gives it the credence that many Christians do. Paul did not debate false teachers except for just to declare the truth. I'm afraid we, we many times we put old, profane, and old wise fables on the same plane of Scripture by even taking it seriously. He says, refuse it. He doesn't say debate it. He says, refuse it. Well, explain to me why I don't have time to explain to you. I'm going to refuse it. Now, if you want to be here on Sunday morning in Sunday school, you'll learn. If you want to be in church Sunday morning, you'll get taught the truth. Wednesday night, we've been talking about the faith a long time, haven't we? You'll, you'll learn it, but I'm not going to debate it with you because it says to refuse it. Profane and old wise fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. Godliness is a word. We'll talk about it more another night, but it's a word that Christians aren't talking about enough. It's a subject preachers don't preach on enough. Godliness. A Christian is to be godly. Um, I'm going to define godliness in just a moment, but I want to remind all of us, as a child of God, we are to live godly. So, uh, but bodily exercise, profit of little, uh, but godliness is profitable unto all things. 
having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. Tonight, I want you to look uh, at verse number 7, and we'll get the title of our Bible study tonight, and we'll look at these three verses, and notice what it says, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. I'm going to be offensive with my title tonight to some. My title tonight is exercise thyself. Now, I'm going to pray, and if you want to slip out, you can slip out. I, I mentioned not too long ago, I went and saw the doctor, my doctor for the first time in like 12 years. I'm not exaggerating either. For the first time in like 12 years, and uh, he, he's, he's, he's put me on a little bit of a uh, health uh, regime with my diet and with my exercise. He gave me three months to come back and see him. He wants to see me get healthier and live healthier. Otherwise, I'm healthy. I said, well, like if otherwise I'm healthy, I mean, you're, anyway, uh, so you may ask me now, how's that going? He gave me three months. <laughs> you know, I got, my, I got through school cramming the night before, so we'll see how this goes. <laughs> Exercise thyself. This is going to be very practical, but it's going to be very helpful to us tonight. Father, help us tonight as we uh, look into your word. I pray that the Spirit of God would teach us, instruct us. Uh, Father, I know that each and every week as I've studied these to prepare, uh, I know it's, it's helped help me and my faith and uh, hopefully my faithfulness and my determination to serve you. Father, I pray that you'll bless the Bible study this evening. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Exercise thyself. But notice what verse 7 says. Exercise thyself rather unto godliness. We need to look at that word godliness because if the Bible is telling us instead of this, that's what that word rather is signifying, do this, we need to make sure that we have a proper definition of what the Bible is telling us to do. And that word godliness, we could probably all come up with a definition, but let me give you a very practical definition this evening. A careful observance of the laws of God. Now, if are you with me? To be godly, you involves, it involves the laws of God. A careful observance of the laws of God proceeding from love and reverence for the divine character and commands. Christian obedience. Now, there's a lot of very vocal rebels and apostates today who once had the truth, and they want to bring the word legalism in and say preachers like your pastor and others who preach the word of God try and add holiness to salvation. That's just a smokescreen for their rebellion. Uh, I have never heard a Bible-preaching preacher preach on uh, that legalism works for salvation because they wouldn't be a Bible-preaching preacher. Listen to the definition. A careful observance of the laws of God proceeding from love and reverence. So if we can define godliness by that definition, that we observe the laws of God because of love and reverence. Love and reverence. I don't live a separated life because I have to to get to heaven. I don't live a separated life because I'm going to heaven. I don't have to stop doing certain things in order to get to heaven, but because I am thankful and I love my Savior who saved me, um, out of reverence and respect and love for Him, I want to live a godly life. 
It's reverence and love for the divine character and command Christian obedience. So if that's the definition tonight, if there's not a careful observance of the law of God, um, how can we say we love and reverence? We, we, we can't have it both ways. So if the Bible is telling us, instead of doing one thing, rather exercise thyself unto godliness, we need to be reminded what godliness is. It's a careful observance. How, this ought to be convicting to all of us. How careful do we pay attention to what God says? How careful? Do we get up every day mindful of what God says? Do we approach each situation in our life? What does God say? Because I want to carefully observe what He has said. Well, I, I love Him enough that I want to follow His directions. I, 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 I have enough reverence for Him because He's a holy and a righteous God. I need to pay attention. I, it, that's what godliness is. Sometimes we, we say, well, they just think they're better, and they might just love God a little bit more than you do while they pay a little more attention to what God is saying. That's why we have a responsibility. That's why, let me just plug this in. That's why somebody gets saved. As we've had many get saved, they start coming to church. Um, they, as they learn to say, Pastor, what's your emphasis? Now, don't they need to start doing this and this and this? No. I just want them to get a Bible. I want them to be here for Sunday school. I want them to learn how, okay, read a chapter of John every single day. Read a Proverbs of the day. Because how can they observe God's laws if they don't know God's laws? I want them to know the Bible. The reason why we have the Sunday school lessons we do, the reason why no Bible study, the reason why uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and the emphasis is to be in every service is so we learn more about the laws of God so we can better observe the laws of God. Let me just say this for those that are in the service tonight uh, who's still living at home with their parents or those who have grown up in a Christian school, you have no excuse for not living a godly life. These rebels that get on the internet and, and complain against their mom, God's going to judge them with a judgment that is going to be a lot harsher than they realize it's going to be. There's no excuse for living a God, not living a godly life if you've been exposed to the Word of God your whole life. No excuse. No excuse. By the way, if you belong to a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church, let me give you a hint. If you're a member here, you belong to one. You don't have an excuse either. We need to be in every service. We need to be reading our Bible every single day. I was talking to a contractor today, a man I've been friends with for probably a decade now. He doesn't live locally. Um, but he was talking to me today, he's, and uh, he's, he's, Pastor, I just, he, once you get on the phone with him, you can't get off. But he was, he was talking to me, and he said, I've just, in the last 30 days, I've just decided I need to read my Bible more. And I started reading in the morning, I started reading at night, and I can't tell you what a difference it makes. The reason is, is because it works. It works. We'll live a godly life. Now, I'm going to get on rabbit trails this evening um, a little bit. I'll try not to get on too many. Um, but this is good on godliness. Um, I already forgot what I was going to say on that rabbit trail, but... Uh, um, uh, the word that, that's why 
The devil wants to put doubt in man's mind what the Bible, what God's word really is. Um, isn't it amazing that you don't hear a of a church and the membership of a church that doesn't know if they have a Bible or they say we're you know we're we're, we're not King James or this and this? You don't ever, those churches never get accused of being too godly. You notice nobody ever leaves those churches because standards are too high. Um, typically, those aren't the churches that have hymns. They have the light show. They have the rock show. Because the word of God and godliness go hand in hand. We have to have the Bible. So the Bible says for us to exercise thyself unto godliness. We've defined godliness. Now, notice, let me say number one. Not only must we reject or refuse, but we must also do. We've established two weeks ago that there's the Spirit of God and then there's seducing spirits. Then the Spirit of God, speaking through the Apostle Paul, speaks of the doctrines of devils in verse number one. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, verse number two, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. Verse 4, for every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. For to sanctify by the word of God in prayer, if thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nursed up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. Paul is giving some more warnings. Then we get to our text verse, and he says, he tells him what to do in verse number 6. Uh, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained, but refuse. What is he refusing? Those profane and old wives' fables. To put in the context, he gives a list of things that he labels the doctrines of devils. Those old profane wives' tales, those anything contrary to salvation. At this time, as there is in this time, there were multitudes of ways, according to man, of how a person can get to heaven. But according to God, there's only one way. So if it's not that way, everything else is a profane and why. Well, well there, there's some sincere, I know there's some sincere, some sincere people, and that's why we ought to do our best to win them to Christ, give them the truth. But often, this is an important principle. If you don't get anything else I say tonight, and I'm going to encourage you to get more than this, but if you don't get anything else, please get this. This is sometimes we fail in this area. If there's some things we are to reject. You know, we, we independent Baptists, we have that reputation, don't we? They're against everything. Well, I'd rather be labeled as against everything than for everything. Because if you haven't noticed, there's a lot of bad things. But there are some things that we are to refuse, we are to reject... There are some things, as a preacher, I will never entertain. I will never sit across the table from another preacher and let them give me some information so that I can better make a decision because I've told to refuse some things. I've told, been told to reject some things. As much as I, I, and I have a lot of, I know a lot of people, I have a lot of preacher friends who don't, Cross every T like I do, dot every I, and some do not even stand doctrinally where you are. I'm, I'm nice to them. They're, I'm not letting anybody sit across the table from me. Let me tell you why uh, you need to put down that King James Bible, because I refuse that. 
Let me tell you what would happen if you would change your music. I know, I taught on it for a year. We give up the faith. We become apostate. That's the road that we go down. That's just, it's that simple. Say, uh, well, what you ought to know, I'm, there's some things I'm going to refuse. Somebody wants to add works to salvation. I'm not having that conversation. I'm refusing it. In context of the word godly, godly, we see it there in our text, godliness. If it's contrary to godliness, what are you and I supposed to do? Refuse it. But they're my friend. You can love your friend, but you're supposed to refuse that which doesn't line up. They're my family. Love your family, but refuse uh, what it does not line up with godliness. That is important. We are to refuse. Um, if you've attended this church any length of time, you've got a pretty good idea of where I stand on certain issues. Um, I'm usually not very blunt about it, but you can figure it out after some time. We're supposed to be, be refusing things. I'm, I'm saying all that because I want to make a very important point. It's not enough just to refuse. There's a lot of people who refuse, but they don't do. You cannot be godly unless you do. Being against certain things does not make you godly. Well, I'm against this, and I'm against this, I'm against this, I'm against this, and I don't think people should do that. That's too close to this and this. That does not make you godly. That's why, one, I'm very careful when we have new people come to our church or new Christians. We, we don't need a police to go around telling them what they should and shouldn't do, but they should and shouldn't go. They now have the Holy Spirit inside of them. And when, it won't take them long with, with this pastor preaching this book. They're going to figure some things out because the Spirit of God is going to say, he's talking about you. You need to change this. Uh, the Spirit of God's in there. And we got to do, mom and dad, be against things, but you better teach do. Uh, as Christians, we should be against some things. I'm refusing certain lifestyles. I don't care how politically mainstream it is, I'm refusing it. That doesn't make me godly. Sometimes it just makes me decent. Just because we refuse certain things doesn't make us godly. There's an important principle. Not only must we reject, refuse, but we must also do. It's, we, ought to do, we ought to have teaching like we've been having. on. Watch these doctrines. Watch these things. Watch these trends. Don't do these things. But that's not enough. Godliness comes when we exercise godliness. We do certain things. Exercise is to build up. Now, I'll use myself as an illustration because I've mentioned it recently how uh, the doctor said you need, to, you need to, 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 to eat better, you need to get some exercise in. Now, I can just say there's certain things. When I go to Taco Bell, I'm going to refuse the extra taco. So when I get to six, I'm refusing the extra taco. You can diet and say no, but that does not mean you're exercising or building up. The Bible says for us to, and exercise thyself, rather unto godliness. 
to exercise is to build up the spirit or spiritual by doing. It's not just about what we know. There's a lot of there's a lot of this as well today amongst Christians and even amongst certain preachers. They preach as, well, we have to know these things. We ought to know the Word of God. But I would can I would submit to you. You don't have to agree with me on this, but I would submit to you that somebody who knows less Bible but is doing everything they know is closer to God and godlier than the people who know more Bible but aren't doing anything with it. So by that definition, and I'm not advocating this, somebody can have something in their glove box or have something in their house or something in their front pocket that you may not have, but they're doing a lot more with the Bible they know than you're doing with all the Bible you do know. That's the way God has set the standard. We are accountable for what we know. We're accountable for what we do with what we know. Sometimes we look at other Christians who aren't on the same level with us by the things we refuse, but yet they're doing, they're obeying all the Bible they know. They don't have a pastor. They, don't, they, they barely have a Bible. They don't have, they have nobody who's taken them under their wing and tried to help them. They don't have a Sunday school teacher. But yet their grandmother instilled two or three verses in them. We're to exercise godliness. Exercise godliness. Let me ask you a question. Would you, if, you, if, if the doctor gave you instructions like I'm ignoring about diet and exercise, I'm not really. I'm just trying to use some humor, mostly anyway. Um, would you take health advice for somebody who weighed 650 pounds, couldn't get from point A for point B. Now, let me tell you everything I know about health. I've encountered some of the most unhealthy people, and they can tell you a lot about exercise and health. But you look at them like, what are you talking about? Why would I listen to you? They haven't done anything with what they know. Oh, here we go. You know where this is going. There's a lot of Christians that like to sit. There's a lot of preachers that like to sit up and say, let me tell you everything that I know about the Bible, but they're not doing anything. Parent, every parent ought to be against some things. They're never coming in your house. They're never coming in. But the absence of that which is wrong is not going to build your children into what they should be. The presence of what they do with right must always also be there. And what Paul is teaching Timothy, and I'm glad with everything that, that we've been teaching, all the warnings for week after week of, of these false doctrines and how they creep in. Tonight we get from the Apostle Paul to Timothy, it, you refuse it, but it's not just about what you reject, you must also do. How much Bible do you know and what are you doing with it? That's the important thing. The more we do, the more we build up. That's why it's important 
If there's something you know you're supposed to do, well, Pastor, I'm already discouraged. I hadn't even started because I got so far to go. Just start. Just start. On the theme of exercise and all of that, statistically speaking, they say the first time you walk in the gym is the toughest time. I was crying like a baby for two hours outside before I went in. Just kidding, I didn't go in. <laughs> but you have to start. A lot of times, there'll be Christians who come to their pastor for help, and they're sincere. They want help. They want to do it. They're just not getting started because, I just, well, I just don't. I know, I know, and you say things to them. I know, I've heard it all before. But when are you going to start doing There's a lot of churches, and they would challenge me on this, and they would be wrong. Not because I'm saying it, because it's exactly what the Bible teaches. Who they're against everything and everybody. But they don't even walk across the street to witness to the neighbor. They don't support missions. They don't don't try and they they don't do what they know. There's a lot of things in this book we're to be against, but we're also supposed to show some grace. Speaking the truth in love. That's why, and some of you, I'll lose you on this. I hope not. But even in this heated political day that I think we're going to be in forever, you be careful what you call the Democrats. I'm assuming that's, you know, God wants them to be saved too. I mean, I look at this, if I get on, Joe Biden's everything you say may be true, but you got to be careful. Because my number one responsibility is not to get a Republican in office. My number one responsibility is for the light of Christ to shine in this world unto all men. It's not about just what we know, it's what we do. Exercise is building up, building up. Now, let me show you this important principle. Still, look at verse number 7. But refuse profane and old wise fables and exercise itself rather unto godliness. Right along with this principle, it's important. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things. Now, Rather unto godliness. Exercise thyself rather unto godliness. It says bodily exercise profiteth little. But it does profit. I have no argument with that. And this is not a justification for not exercising. I got plenty of excuses. I don't need justification. What the Bible is teaching here is that there is a limit to what physical exercise will do. But when you exercise godliness, it's not limited. You exercise unto godliness, and we're going to break this down even more, it is profitable to be godly. It is more profitable to exercise godliness than to deal with these wives' fables. A lot, and I can, I can still, 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 what I was about because I still hear Dr. Hiles preaching along these lines. There's too many debating the wise fables 
and letting the world go to hell. Refuse it and do. There's too many people who want the truth to argue with those who don't want the truth. That's why the Bible tells us what to do with a scorner. If, there, if, there, if the Bible defines, read the book of Proverbs, and, and, and if you look at it through the, the lens of the book of Proverbs, you know how to deal with everybody you come in contact with. The book of Proverbs describes the simple. They're absent of, of knowledge. They just don't know. Describes the fool. They know knowledge. They just don't care. The wise person takes the truth, and they make their decisions with God's wisdom. The scorn. Now, I'm going to be patient with the simple, because if I give them the truth, now they can become wise, or they can choose to ignore it and become a fool. And again, we can't get to the book of Proverbs tonight, but it tells me what the, the Bible tells us what to do with the fool. Answer them according to their folly, answer them not according to their folly. Some of you, that's still a mystery to you. We'll explain that another night. But the Bible tells us how to do that. But there's one person in there the Bible says don't even, don't even, don't even give them the time of day. It's the scorner. Because they don't want the truth. So when it comes to false doctrine, I'm going to try and win someone with the gospel. I'm going to try and help someone. But if somebody wants to debate me, it's not just about what I'm against. And I've tried to teach us this through the years, especially the last couple of years. I don't have to get on the Internet and let everybody know what I'm against. Because I'm supposed to be doing good. I'm supposed to be godly. I'm supposed to be exercising godliness. Maybe you can do that and not get in the flesh. I doubt it. I think, I think we've made that point. Rather unto godliness, not only must we reject, refuse, but we must also do. I, I don't mind being labeled by what I stand against. I don't mind it. I don't mind for you. You need to know what this book says we're to be against. I don't mind for the say, now in that church, that preacher, he's against this and he's against this and he's against this. As long as it lines up with that Bible, I'm fine with that. But I don't want to just be known by that. I don't want to just be known as what I'm against. I also want to be known as someone who exercises godliness. See, you can get from behind a pulpit and thunder about things you're against, and you 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 you're not you don't you can, and cannot be godly because godly is action. I give us number two. I've got five minutes left to get through the rest. Godliness is the most profitable. That's what the Bible tells us here. But godliness is profitable unto all things having promise of the life that is now and of that which has come. I've got two points underneath this. I've only got three points tonight. But two points underneath this statement, godliness is most profitable. The Bible says godliness is profitable unto all things, which the, the first sub-point is there's a benefit now. Is look, at, look at verse number 8. It says, having promise of the life that now is. There's sometimes Christians, and we should never do this because God's worthy. We weigh. Well, do I really want to do what I know I should do based on what I really want to do now? Or there's some things I won't be able to do or some quote-unquote fun I won't be able to have or some experiences I won't be able to be a part of, and they weigh, is it worth it? Sometimes, oh, I just don't know if it's worth, you know, serving God. Um, the Bible tells us there is a benefit 
now to godliness. There's a benefit as we help other people. But there's a benefit from the blessings of God now. It is a fact. And I think part of the contrast here, the Bible is, is, is as relevant today as it's ever been. The Bible will never not be relevant. There must have been an exercise religion back then too. We know there was vegans because he expresses it that all meat is good, basically is what he says. And all God's people said, yeah, okay. That's the first time some of you have in three years. What's a good spot? You know, I gotta, we got to make sure we do this. we got to do this and this. And I'm not against being healthy. I'm not against those things. We probably all should be a little healthier. According to my doctor, I should be a lot healthier. But there's so many that will stand in front of that mirror. Oh, man. I got a bee sting back here now. Or they'll stand sideways and, man. But we don't take 30 seconds to consider our own holiness, our own godliness. What would happen if Christians took the mirror and every day looked in it? Said, How's my, I don't want to lose my gains. How's my progress? I'm not, I'm not preaching against exercise tonight. I'm just preaching for godliness. And the Bible says exercise, physical exercise, does have a benefit, but not like spiritual exercise does. And using that illustration that God is just profitable now. If you live a godly life, you live a cleaner life, you're going to live a healthier life. The sin of this world is not healthy. It's not. There's one thing I'm convinced of. Just by dealing with people in, 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 from the time I've been in ministry, especially pastoring, if, if Christians would cut out their sin, they'd have more money for the work of God and they'd live a longer life. That's just facts. There's a lot of, I, I hate to use the word preacher, they preach a false belief. Well, for a Christian, it's okay if they drink. Have you ever been to a doctor and they tell you, you ought to drink more? You're not going to. Well, it's okay. You're on your way to heaven. A good cigar will just, just relax you. Has your doctor ever told you that? Why? Because the fact is, if you live a godly life, you're living a healthier life. There's benefit now. What do you think God blesses? You think God blesses godliness? There's a natural byproduct of being more like Christ. There's much more I want to say, but I'm out of time. There's a benefit now. Promise of the life that now is. If you live a life of godliness, you will not have regrets. And let's be honest, every regret every person in here has, has the, in their life is a result of ungodliness. Every regret is due to ungodliness. You don't have regrets because of godliness. 
there's a benefit now. Parents, remind your, your children, teach them. Serving God pays. Pays. Serving God is worth it. Don't be, well, it's just so tough being a Christian and paying your Christian school tuition and getting you all these. No, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a pr- privileged life. Push them towards the things of God. If, if it means you have to get right with God, that would be a good place to start. If it means you've got to cut some things out to be a good example for your children, that would be a good place to start. Godliness, there's a benefit now. I've got to hasten. There's a benefit now, a promise of life that now is. There's a benefit later. Look at what the Bible says, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Do you think we get to heaven, we're going to regret living a godly life? you think we're going to regret exercising our godliness to be more and more like Christ? You can't go, in, you, you, you know, go into a, a gym, to use that illustration, and say, put about 450, 500 on there. I got, how, how long have you been working out? First day. No, you got to work your way up to that. It took me like two and a half weeks to get up to that. You got you to work your way up. You got to start. It's exercising yourself unto godliness. Some of you, you haven't been saved very long. You look at some people who've been saved for 20, 30 years. You say, I, I could never get to that point. They didn't get there overnight. They got there after 30 years. You exercise yourself unto godliness. And when we get to heaven, I'm convinced... There's going to be no regrets for living a godly life. There might be some regrets for not living godlier. There's an eternal benefit. There's eternal rewards. We don't get eternal rewards for things which are not spiritual. I've used this illustration before. I'm already over time. Well, we'll, you didn't come see me last Wednesday night, so I got double the time. You know, when I don't know how, when we, the judgment seat of Christ, and you get those awards, those crowns, crowns for faithfulness. I don't know exactly how it's going to happen, but there's not going to be an announcement that we're going to be giving out the crowns for the most likes on Instagram. Now comes our Christian influencer awards that sold the most products while wearing a skirt. Here comes the next, and, and if I'm not necessarily saying I'm against that. I'm just saying rather unto, rather unto, rather unto, rather unto. I better move off of that one. The benefit is going to come later. I don't have time to get to verse number 11 and 12, but it talks about some persecutions and some hardships. It's going to come from being godly. 2 Timothy Chapter number three speaks of persecutions because of godliness. It says, All who live godly shall suffer persecution. There's sometimes, oh, we're going to suffer persecution. I'm sitting there, you're not godly enough. It says, Those who live godly. Pastor, how come churches like ours are always, and then you see these churches, just go to that verse. Those that live godly shall suffer persecution. If you're like the world, the world's not going to persecute you. If you're like God, they'll persecute you. It's been that way forever. Number three, look with me, and this is a very, very quick one. It'll take me about 25 minutes for this. Verse number nine. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. Now, having 
started with verse number one. Now, the Spirit speaks of expression. This is, that's a very foundational verse. That is an important verse, a foundation for you and I to understand the faith. Going into some things that characteristics of doctrines of devils, and then he comes into exercising godly. Timothy, it's not just about what you're against. You need to be exercising your godliness. You need to be doing is what he's teaching. Then he talks about the promise of godliness. And then, kind of in the middle, before he gets to making another point about let no man despise thy youth, he, that little verse there, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. He, he makes a similar statement at the beginning of this letter, this book. But basically what this means, <clears throat> it means it is true. It's a faithful saying, means it's a true saying. And we know that all Scripture... Is true. All Scripture, 2 Timothy, or 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us, is profitable. All Scripture. He says this is a faithful saying or a true saying and worthy of all acceptation. What Paul is saying is this is truth and every Christian should accept it. It is true and everybody should embrace it. Our flesh bristles at some of the things that we heard tonight. But Paul is reminding him, Timothy, it's true. Embrace it. Christian, when it comes to godliness, it's true. Embrace it. It would be a wonderful thing if God's children, once again, in 2021, embrace godliness instead of trying to avoid it, hide from it, put it on on Sunday, take it off on Monday. The Apostle Paul said, this is true, everybody should embrace it. And we cannot control what any other child of God does, but there's one, one Christian that you and I can't control. It's ourself. Maybe we should spend less time looking at this world, at how ungodly they are, and more time focused on us exercising our godliness. Pastor, I've hit top-level godliness. I've been doing this for a while. I've been focused. I just don't think it can go any further. I mean, I've been a member here for 30 years. I mean, don't, don't, you, don't you give a godliness award or something like that? I'm being sarcastic, but you get the point I'm making. There's never going to come a time in any of our lives when we've gotten godly enough. Sadly, there's a lot of Christians, sincere Christians, belong to good churches. I'm sure there's some that are members here. They make the mistake, because often we do. I've caught myself doing it, seeing how ungodly this world is, and I don't have to do a thing to be more godly than this world. But that's not the standard. Those who really get into exercise, they just keep going, and they 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 keep going. It's like, what's wrong with you? And they, and they keep going. They keep going. It becomes a lifestyle. Greg, that's what my doctor said that's known me for a long time. You don't need to go on a diet. All right, I'm good. Here's my copay. Let me finish. You need to change your lifestyle. 
And I, I stormed out of there. said, I'll never go back to that doctor's office. Who does he think he is to tell me the way I can live and the way I can't live? What a dictator. Where's my keyboard? What, what a dictator to, 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 to demand. Who does he think he is? Oh, I, I, I need a safe space from the doctor. I've got, I've, got, I've got physical PTSD because of what the doctor told me. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I guess that only applies with preachers. But don't miss the point. You need a lifestyle change. Okay, I knew eventually I'd get here. We need a lifestyle change in the sense that we just determine that godliness is just, just how we live. I mean, I'm telling you all about my conversation. I don't know if there's doctor-client privilege. Go home and get this out. Don't eat this and don't eat this and don't eat this. And boy, what are the rules now? What he's saying, he said, if you want to... I started my conversation, and he, he's familiar with my family. He's known my family. He knows what I do, knew what my dad did. I mean, just, just a family friend. He said, you, you, if you're going to do everything that you feel God wants you to do, you want to do all these things, carry all these things, and do it for a long time, this is what you're going to have to do. And, I, and he reminded me that I came to see him. He didn't come to see me. You're going to have to change your lifestyle, and there are some things you're going to have to cut out. Bodily exercise profit a little. It does profit, but spiritual exercise, the godliness. If you and I are going to be godly, there's things we've got to cut out. If you and I are going to be godly, there's things we have to do. This is a faithful saying. This is a true saying and worthy of acceptation. Don't, don't bristle at it, Timothy. Don't, 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 don't let it ruffle your feathers because it's true and everybody ought to embrace it. Now, church, let's embrace godliness. Godliness, and let me remind you one time before we stand and dismiss, it's not about what we're against, although we should be against what that book's against. Godliness is doing. We don't help the cause of Christ. We don't help the body of Christ. We don't help advance that cause if we're just against, but we're not doing. Let's stand where the Bible stands, but let's do what the Bible says to do. Because that's godliness. Father, help us to...